Kaden PR acknowledges the traditional owners of the land that this podcast was recorded and produced on, the Wurundjeri and Bunurong peoples of the East Kulin Nations. We pay our respect to their elders past, present and emerging, and we extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. Welcome to The Press Office with Kate and Co PR, the podcast that gives you an exclusive and unfiltered look behind the scenes of the Australian media landscape and public relations industry. I'm your host, Marissa Jane, and if you are dreaming of a career in public relations, are an aspiring journalist, or simply just obsessed with all things digital and traditional media, then this is the podcast for you. Hello and welcome back to The Press Office with Kate & Co PR. Today we are joined by Holly Berkelman, who is the very bubbly social media and online producer for Body & Soul and Stella magazine. Now this episode is particularly insightful for those studying media and communications or journalism as Holly shares how she got her foot firmly in the door and has been making waves in the industry ever since. It is a little bit of a longer episode so I'm just going to get straight on into the interview. Hello, Holly, and welcome to the press office with Kate and Co. PR. I'm very excited to be chatting to you today. And although people can't see because we don't use video, you're in a very green room and you're wearing a green outfit and it's very visually pleasing. Yeah, I'm in the jungle of media here today, <laughs> reporting directly from News Corp. I feel like everyone is in a little bit of a jungle if they work in the media industry. I think so. Hairy time of year as well. I know all of the deadlines and like getting sorted for this year and then also planning for next year. It's actually wild how every year around November, it just heats up. It does. And I feel like we're shocked every single year. I'm like, wow just so busy but it also feels like it happened a week ago it's funny how these years fly by I know it's always a sprint to the finish line and before we get into the interview one thing that I like to ask all my guests is if they mind introducing themselves what they do and how they got to where they are today okay great question so I'm Holly Belkelman I am the social media and online producer for Stella and Body and Soul the magazines and then the digital element of body and soul as well. How did I get to where I am today? It's a funny question. I went to uni. I did Bachelor of Arts, Media and Communications at the University of Sydney. I actually started off doing maths and science, which shocks everyone that I ever tell and also myself. Like I can't believe that I thought that was a good idea. But I love science at uni and I I didn't really know what arts was, to be honest, but I thought, I was like, I love English, I love writing, I'll do that, that'll be great. And then I started and I was like, oh, yeah, like, science is fun, but I um, really hate studying it. <laughs> like, it's fun to do, but I don't like doing it every day and I don't really want to work in this. So I ended up applying for an internal transfer at for Medium Communications and got in and then it was kind of away from there. I did a bunch of internships while I was at uni and I also had my own food and travel blog, which I kind of started because I this was before I did the internships. I started it because I wanted a sort of portfolio and I didn't really have anything. I hadn't been published anywhere yet. So I started this blog where I wrote about travels and food and 
you know, holidays and where I wanted to go and things like that. And I just drew on experiences that I'd had from traveling during uni or in school and just kind of made the most of that. And then I worked in marketing during my final year of uni and also as a writer for a small online magazine called Backyard Opera. I was the food writer there. And then going into the real world out of uni, I started off in marketing. And my first job was marketing coordinator for Delicious, the food magazine, which, wow, like how good getting that straight out of uni. It was two weeks after I graduated. I was initially going to work at the small marketing agency that I was at, but they didn't have capacity to bring me on full time. So I ended up trawling LinkedIn. I applied for this job, got a call back from HR in 20 minutes, which is actually a record. I was like incredibly shocked at how quick that was. And then I had the job within a week and then started that. So that was at the end of 2019. And then I went on holiday for six weeks, which is my end of uni celebration tour, I called it, and then came back at the start of 2020, started at Delicious. Um, had three months in the office and then was sent home for COVID, as we know. And then during my time at Delicious, um, Escape got brought on as well. So I worked in marketing across Delicious and Escape. And then I also wrote from the first couple of months that I was there, I hailed down the editor, Samantha Jones, for Delicious and was like, I really want to write. This is all I want to do, really. And then she gave me the chance to start writing for the site at Delicious. And then I wrote almost every week for the two years that I was there and then made the decision that I kind of wanted to be more in a like a totally editorial role rather than writing outside of my job description all of the time and then I applied for the role at Stella and Body and Soul in February and then started in March and here we are. It's such an incredible journey and I love that you started studying something completely different before you worked out what you wanted to do because I think when you're 18 years old and leaving high school, it is so hard to go, oh, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. It's a huge decision. It's so hard and you put all your like selections in for what you want to do and you're kind of ordering them in like, oh, I do this first and this second. But really it was a complete like mess and a total guess. I was like, I really like UCID. I've been there a couple of times. It's really pretty. Um, I think this degree would be fun because I get to do two things that I like. Let's give it a crack. But I think almost everyone I know changed after their first year at uni into something else. And I thought, I think that helps. And I told my sister that, my brother that when they finished. And I hope that that helped them as well, because just knowing that it's quite normal to move around is a good reminder. And I think too, you move around once you're in your career as well. Obviously, there's some careers that you do need to be qualified in and have studied it. But even in the media industry, you could study advertising and then end up in journalism or whatever. It it's kind of interchangeable once you're in the real world. Totally. And like, I was pretty hell bent on marketing and advertising for a while. I was like, I'm going to be you know, a creative and come up with these amazing like ad campaigns. And then what I figured out when I started working in marketing is the bit that I liked was the writing element anyway. It was like the copywriting and the coming up with stories. And then because I was doing so much writing at the same time, it kind of clicked and I was like, I'm on the wrong side. <laughs> so then the last, yeah, like two years when I was working marketing, it was kind of that whole, I really like what I'm doing, but I want to write, but do I want to write full time? And do I want to work solely in editorial? Yeah, it was a whole like ball game in my head of trying to decide what I wanted. And then since making that decision, it's been like the best decision 
I could have possibly made. I'm stoked. One of the things you touched on in your intro was you actually started with a blog, which I've I've chatted to a few journalists and they're like, if you want to be a journalist, you just need to write and, you know, start your own blog because that's how you're going to get experience and actually become a great writer. Is that what you found? Totally. Like, I think I had a lot of friends that were doing internships from the second we started in media, but I wasn't totally sure yet. And at the time, it was funny. I was like, I don't think I want to be a journalist because I was thinking of like news journalism, hard news. And I was like, I don't know if I want to do that. Um, but I knew I loved to write. And so I just started this because I was like, I haven't got an internship yet and I'm not totally sure. So I'm just going to write and write and write. And it's funny, looking back now, I like my whole life, all I've done is write. Like the notes app on my phone is an absolute minefield. Like you could dig up some serious crap in there. Um, but I've just written all the time. And so the blog, I think, was, you know, it was the perfect way in for me. And the first marketing internship that I got, I showed that and was like, you know, this isn't a marketing thing, but it shows that I can write and I can formulate an idea. And that was what got me my first internship in marketing. And then when I got my first job writing at Backyard Opera, that I showed the blog and that's what got me hired there as well. So it really, it all started with the food and travel blog. Is it still running? It's not. It's not still running. Thank God for that. But, you know, I hold it close to my heart. There wasn't a joined Instagram too. I think that is still out in the wild. I probably should deactivate it in case anyone finds it. (laughs) It's good to have the memories. And now taking a look at your career now and your current job. So you're the social media and online producer at Stella Magazine and Body and Soul. What does your role actually entail? An excellent question because you would not be able to guess from that title. And even everyone in my team, they I don't even know what my title is. They're like, what are you called again? I'm like, a great question. <laughs> so I, at a kind of top level, run all of the socials for Stella and Body and Soul. So that's Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, when we can, though we don't really have the resources for it at the moment. But every kind of social touch point is what I'm across. And then the online producer section is kind of lift, picking the best stories from the print issues and then putting them online. And it's the same for social as well. So it'll be like, I think, yeah, it's interesting because Body and Soul and Stella are at their hearts, they're print magazines that then have digital elements to it, Body and Soul more so than Stella. So part of that social role is finding the best bits of content from the magazines each week and then popping them online so that everyone can see them. Yeah, so that's kind of the top line bit. And then I, the social media stuff for Stella involves a lot of going to photo shoots as well. I do a lot of the behind the scenes video and then attending things like red carpets or award shows, premieres and things like that and getting video content, doing interviews and then putting them online. So it's an interesting mix. And then I also do a heap of writing for Body and Soul. So it's kind of social media and online producer and writer would be a fair description probably. That's amazing. And when you're looking at, you know, the physical editions of both Body and Soul and Stella magazine, what are you looking out for when it comes to content that you want to repurpose online or on social media? Is it usually a celebrity or someone who you think will get interest from the public or is it a unique story? Like what are you looking for? Yeah, it's kind of definitely both of those things. It's the big celebrity stories, the big 
interviews for Stella are the things that we really want to push on there. Anything that has a fashion element to it is great for Stella because that's what people love. Like people follow Stella and read Stella for the exclusive interviews, the celebrity insights, the fashion, the, you know, the industry kind of highlights and the big names. So anything like that goes onto the Stella Instagram from the magazine. Um, We sometimes cross post bits. So if we had like a great interview in Body and Soul that was fit to, you know, the more health and wellness kind of audience, but it had that maybe celebrity kind of angle to it, then we might cross post that on Stella as well. For Body and Soul, lifting from the print edition doesn't happen as much on social Instagram. On Facebook, we do build the best stories from print to go on the website and then we might push it out on there, but not everything will fit the Instagram as much. It's a bit of like it changes every week and that's what I really like about working on weekly publications because I was so used to working on monthlies with Delicious Mm. and then moving to weeklies. I was like, oh, my God, there's a lot of content. There's like It's so fast-paced and there's so much coming out of the team, which is really fun and there's so much to pick from and it's kind of resets every week which is great. That's really interesting to note because obviously with Delicious you would be using like a magazine an issue for a whole month you would I feel like you would get sick of it by the end of it you're like get rid of this magazine launch the next one please. You've got to be kind of clever with that I guess because you've got to make the whole magazine last for Mm. the month whereas obviously it's a much bigger magazine so there is more but with Stella and Bonnie and Soul they're like yeah you've got to get as much out of it as you can from the week and then it resets and then you go again so every Monday is like an absolute like hurricane of like trying to figure out what we're doing for the week with the content that's come through half the team is working on the issue in two times two weeks time so it's like yeah, there's a lot going on in Team Stella and Body and Soul. <laughs> I can imagine. And they are quite different titles and, you know, they focus on completely different things. Do you have to change your whatever hat you're wearing when you're focusing on Stella or Body and Soul? Do you need to think about them completely different or do you follow a pretty similar process? No, they are really different. That's a good point. I think I was quite used to it because working across Delicious and Escape, and I actually did work across taste.com.au a little bit as well in that. They are all such different titles. And so I was kind of, you know, like, bread on working across different titles with different voices and different audiences that were interested in them. So Stella, yeah, it's very, as I said, very celebrity fashion, really premium. Body and Soul is a little bit more accessible and it's health and wellness and relationships and, you know, it's quite different. And so when I'm looking for content, it really has to fit with the right one. And if, if it doesn't fit, then it, it won't go on really. And I guess the print team are really selective with that. And then I come in later on to figure out what will work as an extension of that online. And in terms of, I love to ask everyone this question, what does a typical day look like for you? See, I like this question too, but and I always feel like people say the same thing as their answer though, which is like every day looks totally different, but it does. <laughs> it actually does. And I think especially for me, because I do work across the two publications, there's just so much going on. But, you know, on a typical week, I might be on set for a morning. We might start early and we'll shoot. I might be there all day and shoot like they'll shoot three people in the studio and I'll be there throughout the day to do like interviews with them on set and to get behind the scenes. And that would take up 
you know, most of the day or it might take up a morning and then I'll go into the office afterwards. I kind of, there's a lot of scheduling that happens just on Instagram and Facebook, making sure that we've got, you know, like older content that did really well pumping through still on the body and soul channels. Obviously, yeah, I think it's probably important to say that Stella and Body and Soul are really different and that Body and Soul has like such an active website. It's got a really big digi audience, whereas Stella, it doesn't actually have its own website. It just publishes through the mastheads, so the Telegraph, Herald Sun and everything. So it, their digi presence is quite separate. So Body and Soul, we, you know, push back older content through that's still relevant. And so I take care of that, making sure we're all scheduled throughout the day and then on Instagram as well. Like I mentioned on Mondays, I usually do it on Mondays if it's, you know, if everything's going well, then it happens on a Monday. (laughs) And that'll be going through the print magazines from that week and picking out the best content and then coming up with a plan for the week and how I want to roll that out. So we've got like consistent presence and thinking about, I guess, the consumer behavior in a big way about when people want to see certain content. Like I wouldn't publish you know, like a big celebrity story at 4pm on a Friday because no one cares, to be honest. So it's about being clever with when that goes out and coming up with that and then writing all the copy and the captions and everything, tagging the fashion brands, making sure that we've got as many touch points, you know, covered to try and get it out to as many people as possible. Yeah, that involves meeting with the editors as well and then making sure that they're happy with what I've got planned for the week. There'll be video editing because I'll usually have an, a video going out for Stella every week and then Body and Soul every maybe couple of weeks. Um, so editing that and getting that ready to go on Instagram as well. Yeah, I guess that's a brief snapshot. That's a that's a good snapshot. You're right. A lot of people do answer with every day is different, and it's like, tell me more. I want to know. Yeah, yeah. You're like every day is different for all of us. <laughs> yeah, but it's good. I write the um, I write a story every Monday nine a.m. for Body and Soul as well. I often write that on the Sunday and then publish it, like schedule it ahead for Monday morning, and then I also write a dating column every Wednesday evening and so there's a lot of writing kind of happening between all of the other tasks and deep into the night. (laughs) I was going to ask you about your dating column because I want to know how hard it is to actually reflect on your own love life and be so public about it. You're having your little Carrie Bradshaw moment. (laughs) Yeah it's funny I say I kind of said this recently to someone that it's really easy to write and hard to publish like it's so easy for me to write this down because it's my heart, really. It's my life. Like, and I've, as I said before, I've been writing forever. I've always written down how I feel about things. As I said, the notes app could send me to prison. Like, there's so much in there, but it's actually putting it out into the world where people are going to see it. That's the hard bit, I think. And like, I post them on my socials as well, and they go on Body and Soul socials. And it's a lot of eyeballs, not my socials, the Body and Soul socials. <laughs> but there's a lot of eyeballs. And when I post it, you know, there's so many people that I know who are reading it and who might have informed a lot of the things that I'm writing about. So yeah, it's hard and it's easy, but I love it. It's like, this is the stuff that I've always wanted to write. I love thinking about relationships and how people interact and yeah, and love. It's I love writing about that. So it's 
it's really fun. I love it. <laughs> it's quite brave of you. I, I totally understand how it's easy to write something, but mm. actually putting it out into the public, that's a whole different thing. It is. And like more people read those columns than anything else that I've ever written. And it's funny, like the response that I've had from people, I like couldn't even anticipate it. The amount of people that message me who are like, I feel exactly the same way or like you just wrote exactly how I feel or I've been wanting to read an article like this or like I can't believe you wrote that. That's so ballsy. Like it's just it's so nice to have that response from people and to hear that people feel like what they think is being reflected. It's funny actually I had um, an ex-boyfriend once said to me because I was always like I want to write a book or I want to write something, always talking about writing, and he was like your life like there's nothing particularly remarkable about it. Like he's like, you haven't lived through like a war zone or done anything kind of crazy. But I think at the end of the day, that's why people like it. It's because the, because my experiences are things that other people have been through as well. That's why people like it because it's relatable and people feel like their thoughts and feelings are re- you know reflected in someone else, I think. I'm really glad that that boy is in it ex-boyfriend oh my gosh what a horrible thing to say there's nothing remarkable about you but honestly I think it's so true all we want to read about is things that we can connect with and that we can relate to and go oh I'm I'm not alone exactly people just want to know that what they think and feel isn't like just from them it's not isolating they want to know that they're not alone and you know I am more than happy I've I'm a massive extrovert as you know you can probably tell and I process things by talking to people about it and by writing about it. I often say that like when I've written something down that it doesn't have any power over me anymore. I feel like once I get it down, it's out of my system. So if someone else can read that and be like, like she's summed up how I feel, then that's great. That's all I want. It's probably a cathartic experience for you, but maybe for the people reading along with it as well who actually can't put into words how they feel. Yeah, I hope so. It is terrifying though. You're right. And every Thursday I have this like cyclic vulnerability hangover that hits me at about 9am when people start reading it and messaging me. Or like last week I wrote a story about work crushes, which people seem to really like. And it got displayed in the reception of News Corp. It was up on the big screen and I walked in and was like oh my god (laughs) and that is terrifying especially in your place of work which is basically like an advertisement for me dating people at work so that was terrifying but it's you know it's terrifying in a good way because I feel like the things that I want to write and the writing that I think is some of the I think it's the best writing that I've done is that people are looking at it and people are reading it And that's great. It's worthy terror. (laughs) It's worth all of the anxiety from it. (laughs) I think so, though it does require, like, I have to kind of consider what I am comfortable with sharing. You know, Dolly Alderton, who wrote Everything I Know About Love. Yes, we all know and love her. She wrote something really interesting, or it was maybe an interview where she had to, after she wrote that, she decided she didn't want to share anything personal anymore she was done writing about her love life and I was kind of like I wonder when that's gonna hit me (laughs) 
like it hasn't yet. I'm kind of conscious of that because she said that in interviews in that I'm kind of aware of what I put out into the world and what I say because I don't want it to hit me later and to feel like I've given my whole heart away. Like, so I do try to be quite selective. Yeah. And I think too, if it's in the past a little bit too, you're kind of safe. But if it's a current romance or whatever, that's when it becomes a little bit more difficult, right? Yeah. I try to use it to give color to a story rather than like, I don't recount everything that's happening. <laughs> like, I think that is, you know, that's terrifying for anyone. And I would expect no one to ever date me ever again if that's what I was doing. Um, but I try and I use it to give, yeah, like color to a story or to make it more interesting, but not give everything away. And I never use names and I like try and keep it quite anonymous and, you know, make it fun and quirky, but without being just like a diary entry as well. A lot of questions flying around my head every week when I when I post it. I'm like, mm, was that too much? We will see. <laughs> you don't want to be the Taylor Swift of News Corp, do you? I don't. I don't. And last week I was like, is this my Taylor Swift moment? Maybe. We and we maybe we will leave it there. <laughs> well, she's great. So you know, she is great. I love her. <laughs> I know. I'm like, when it, am I going to write my all too well? <laughs> equivalent (laughs) and I have to ask because you are a social media producer and you did mention the t word previously tiktok what are your thoughts on it it's such an interesting app it's such a an interesting algorithm and machine I think it operates it operates clearly like nothing else that we've really used before I think it shows that short form video isn't going anywhere. That's what people want to see. And I definitely keep that in mind with everything that I do on our channels. Yeah, I also think that similarly shows that a lot of the content on there is people sharing relatable experiences or funny experiences. And then people like relate to that or they find value in that because it's something that they've done. So I think it really comes back to us. Everything just wants to be heard. Everyone wants to be heard. It's a funny one. We haven't quite properly braved it for Stella and Bonnie and Soul yet. Like I covered the Logies earlier this year and that was our start of um, Stella TikTok. And I put them all up there and then the entire account got deleted within like a couple of days. And I was like, why? I don't understand. And I had to use our social media, like head of social for News Corp to go to Facebook Oh no, yeah, to go to TikTok and be like, why did this happen? <laughs> Please bring it back. And they were like, oh, you're right. She actually violated no, nothing at all. We'll bring it back. I was like, yeah, it's a confusing app. <laughs> it's a hard platform for brands and publications to use in a in a unique and engaging way that doesn't feel like an advertisement. Whereas TikTok ads just don't feel right there. I agree. And I think the people that do really well on TikTok are just that they're individuals and like it's hard for a brand to come on there as a personality or like with personality but as a brand still that obviously has certain objectives or they're trying to sell something or they're trying to push something to feel authentic because that's why TikTok does so well. It's kind of it takes off that glossy exterior that Instagram has. So yeah, it's interesting. There are some publications that do it really well, like Washington Post has an amazing TikTok and that's because they're using the fact that they're in a newsroom to leverage that content and give it some personality. So I think it's hard to do. I don't think it's something that should be rushed into either. I think it requires a lot of strategy to do well. 
a brand. I agree. And also TikTok, I feel like unlike Instagram, and of course, there are definitely haters and trolls on Instagram, TikTok has not nailed at monitoring it whatsoever. No, it has not. There is some crazy shit flying around on TikTok. I am fascinated by the algorithm though, in that it changes so quickly based on what you what you watch and like what you engage with and how long you're on there. That's what distinguishes it from other platforms is that it's not just what you engage with, it's how long you're on there for. And it, like, I think it's fascinating how they've managed to do that. And it's like, there are so many other apps that are trying to copy them. And I wonder, you know, like Instagram's done really well with Reels and like, is it doing better than TikTok? I don't know. I don't think so. Um, it's interesting to see which bits will live on. And it's funny how all of the social apps are kind of just merging into one. Even on TikTok today, I saw there was like this new feature that was quite similar to Be Real. It's so odd. Even Instagram with their new, um, the little text bio thing that comes up in the messenger section. Have you seen that? What is that about? I literally just updated my Instagram and I'm so confused. I'm too scared to put a note up. I'm scared too because I don't want to feel like, I don't want to feel like a boomer on there. And then I saw a younger person who, like we follow each other on Instagram, I think we went to school together. And she was like, anyone who is over the age of 18 who has a note on Instagram needs to stop it. And then I was like, oh my God, I'm so lame. (laughs) And I'm meant to know this. This is my job to know this. (laughs) It feels like to me on Facebook, when they brought out the Facebook stories, like an Instagram story, that's what it feels like. It does. That was kind of like, there was no Gen Z in the room on that one, was there? No. No, there wasn't. There was someone who was around during MSN or, yeah, MSN era who was like, this is an amazing idea. Let's bring it back. It's kind of vintage. But everyone was like, it's not old enough that it's that it's cool again. That's so funny. And speaking about, you know, social media and how that's evolving, where do you see the future of the media e- industry heading in terms of digitization? Like you work for Body and Soul, for example, that although it is a print magazine, they've done such a great job at transitioning to an online platform as well. Yeah, I think, you know, back in the day, back in the day, who do I think I am? Anyway, <laughs> but when um, publications started having online presences as well as the print mags, it used to be just a carbon copy of what was in print up online. And it was, you know, aimed at two completely separate audiences who you wouldn't expect would see both because otherwise that's just a total double up on content. And it was. And I think now websites and brands can exist just solely as a website. And that's exciting. And that's been the case for a while now. But I think a lot of the media publications are still catching up with that in how to make their brands stand alone as um, websites and digital online entities without even needing the backing of like that print powerhouse. I think that's interesting. And, you know, publications like Refinery29, I think, have done really well with that in that they have such a good online presence without needing like that yeah, big print powerhouse. However, I will say I love print. I have always loved print. I have stacks and stacks of old Dolly and Girlfriends in my room at my parents' house that every time I go over, I'm just like, you can't throw them out. That was like my childhood. I loved them. I do think there will always be a space for print magazines, but it just won't be in that typical monthly 
um, installments that we're used to, which I think we're already seeing, like a lot of the print publications aren't printing anymore and they've transitioned to just digital. And now their job is to try and figure out how to make those digital brands as strong as another brand that never had the print backing to begin with. Like GQ, for instance, they're publishing, I think, twice a year now and they have the digital like website but they have to know how to make that digital website as strong as a as a brand that never had print to begin with who was like their dna is in digital so it's interesting there's a lot to learn and gq is an interesting example too like i was just reading about them in the newspaper about they've got the gq awards coming up so it's also you know you can be a digital only brand i know they do still have print editions but then they can also be like a physical brand as well. They're in real life. It's how do you bring to life these brands? I think experiential is still a really big part of it, even if there's not the print supplement per se. And I think the benefit of print and of that experiential stuff is that it takes us away from digital, which is so funny because digital is what everyone goes on about all the time and it's so addictive and that's like the future and it's where everything's going, but then because of that, people like to take pause away from it. And so I think having that those in-person moments or having that print mag that only comes out a couple of times a year, there's so much benefit in that because people are craving a lot of the time a moment away from, you know, the constant cycle of notifications and updates. Yeah, definitely. And even I'm hopping on a plane for the first time in two days and like I'm so looking forward to going to the news agency at the airport and picking up some magazines to read while I'm away. There's such a ritual to that like airports and news agents in particular that there's such a tradition about going and getting the magazine to read on the plane and I love that and I think that's why there will always be that place for print mags because they maybe just they take and they are a luxury item so maybe they become more of that coffee table kind of moment that you engage with only a couple times a year rather than every single month. Now, I feel like you have shared so many great insights and your job sounds really interesting day to day. It sounds so exciting. What is your advice for anyone wanting a career in the media? I think the first thing is that to do well in media, you have to really love it. You really have to love it because it can be a hard industry. It moves really quickly. It's super competitive. There seems to be a restructure every six months in every, you know, every publication entity company. Um, so you have to be able to roll with the punches. It's really important. I think that you have to love it. You really have to love it. I think the people that I know who have done really well, like my bosses, it's because they live and breathe and they love media they love magazines they love publishing they love writing or whatever they do and I I love that I love being part of an industry that the people who do well are because they really really love it um because you know in media you you might not make a huge amount of money and you will work really long hours and really hard and there are some huge personalities so if you have to love it to do well yes like I said important to be able to roll with the punches and you know, if you're resistant to change, then you can often kind of get steamrolled a little bit. Like you have to be able to go with the flow and move, especially because we're in that time where things are so digitally focused and a lot of publications are moving like between media, you have to be able to adapt. I also think knowing um, knowing your boundaries and your morals and what you're comfortable with and who you are and what you stand for is really important because they will be challenged at times and you have to know what you're comfortable 
you know, challenging and what you're not, basically. Yeah, I think those are the main ones. That is all such great advice. I want to pick apart everything. But that first part that you said about having to love it, I think is so true all across the board in the media industry. The same thing with PR. The harder you work, the more glamorous events you get to work on or the more exciting clients you get to work on. You don't get the perks of the job until you start putting in the hard yards. Totally. And I really like that. Like I like it when really hard work is rewarded. And obviously that's not always the case. You know, there's privilege and extraneous circumstances that interrupt with that. But I like that when you work really hard, you see output and media is definitely the place that where that is true. I could not agree more with that. And yeah, it's definitely noticeable across the board. And I think too, people often see what we do for work and go, that is a cool job. And it's like, yes, it's a cool job, but I work freaking hard. Yeah. Like there is not a second of the day where I'm not working. I'm like late into the night. It's a hard job, but it's like the best job ever. I love it. I do. I hate it when people say that they're like, you're never in a desk. You never do any work. And I'm like, shut up. (laughs) It's just not the case at all. Like you see the fun bits because that's the stuff that I post about because it is fun. Um, but that's not all of it. And there's a lot of hard work involved. And even the fun stuff too. Like yesterday I was on a full day photo shoot. Like I worked 14 hours. My feet hurt. They still hurt. It was a really fun day. It was really fun. I'm the same. Like I will sometimes come home from a long, like 14 hour day. And I'll be like, I have not been to the bathroom since 8am this morning before I left. I I should have been a surgeon. Like my ability to hold on to that is unbelievable and possibly concerning. Like <laughs> like all bodily needs get put out the window. <laughs> they really do. Now, talking about PR, what is your preferred way to work with publicists? You know, I, I love publicists because we can't do our jobs without them, you know, and I think that kind of gets forgotten sometimes in that it's such an important job for getting us content and access and stories I like um I like email for PRs I like the written word I do not like being hounded over the phone repeatedly um I think the probably the most important thing is that to be a great PR for media publications is you have to know the publication so well and know Mm. what works like Pitching things that would never work for publication is just, it's frustrating because it clogs up inboxes, which are already a hundred emails deep at any given time. So I think knowing what that publication looks for as well, like, you know, is it the publication that publishes things that's like the best, the best of that week or like the best things coming up that week or not? Because if it's not, then there's no point like pitching that because it will never sit there. So I think knowing the publications really well is the most important thing. That's great advice. And also like, yeah, read the publication before you pitch to them. See what they've written about that's similar over the past few months. Make sure you know who you're pitching to, what they've written. Like it's basic. Totally. (laughs) And do you have any PR pet hates besides from them not really being familiar with your publication or calling you constantly? Not a pet hate per se, but I think 
it's important now that like so much of what we consume is in a vertical format on the phone, but then also websites don't always handle vertical that well. So I think imagery, always making sure that there is a vertical and a horizontal picture, like if there is imagery in a, when PRs are sending that out, it's really important because having like only a vertical thing that I have to try and get into a like horizontal asset on the website is annoying. And then likewise, if I want to put something on an Instagram story and it's only a horizontal asset, that is also annoying. (laughs) So I think making sure that there are versions and obviously there isn't always going to be the option to include that, but where possible, that's always really helpful. Yeah, I guess just knowing kind of being up to date on what your role entails, which is such a hard job for you guys. Like you reach out to a million people every day, but like updating databases and filtering those databases so that people are getting the right press releases and knowing what they cover and what they're looking for, which is, you know, it's a two-way street, definitely, like communication between journalists and PRs. Yeah, definitely. That's really interesting about the image. It's really helpful. I also think like, you know, if you've emailed someone, and they haven't replied, and it's been a couple of days, go for it. Follow up by all means. And that is really helpful because, you know, I'll see something and be like, oh, my God, amazing, and then I'll get distracted by something, and then, you know, I might lose it or forget about it. So the reminders are great. What I don't love is the reminders across every single platform. You know, if you get an email and then a call and a text message and a message on Instagram, I'm like, I'm overwhelmed (laughs) by all of this. I think being selective with how you follow up and when, but also I'm so sympathetic to you guys because you have so many people that you're reaching out to and like obviously KPIs to hit and like you need people to respond to you and people like me who are sometimes shit at responding. So I get it. I really do. Well, I've had such a lovely time chatting to you, but before we wrap up, I have five quick fire questions for you. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay. Coffee or tea and how do you take it? Uh, coffee, soy cap. Mm, good order. Emails or phone calls? I already know the answer. Yes. Email, woman of the written word. <laughs> and also a Jezenial and terrified of the phone. So emails. <laughs> it's common amongst us, isn't it? <laughs> What is your screen time? Oh, hideous. It's like six or seven hours at the moment. But my reasoning being that I spend so much time editing on like video on them. So that's what I say, but it probably would be high anyway. It's really bad. What is your most used app? Instagram, without a doubt. And what is your typical day in media consumption? I might wake up. I'll probably check my emails first, which is like equal parts concerning and also makes me feel old. Um, but then check my emails first and then probably Instagram. I'll have a scroll through, see what's going on, reply to text messages. Um, on the way to work, I'll engage with like a podcast or I'll read kind of long form journalism is when I, what I do on the way to work. Like I love reading articles from the Atlantic or Vanity Fair and things like that. They have really good long term, long form journalism. Um, when I get to work, you know, it might be a sweep of, what's going on in the other news sites, um, staying up to date with the you know, Instagram social, sending a couple of hinge messages in there. That's media consumption, isn't it, I guess? <laughs> um, An email just every second of my life. Um, yeah, I guess that's maybe Netflix or binge or something when I get home. Um, and then some sort of, 
podcast or something when I'm going to bed maybe and Spotify at all times I'm never not listening to music I'm the exact same well well thank you for chatting to me Holly we really appreciate your time thank you for having me it was such a treat Thank you for listening to The Press Office with Kate & Co PR. Please subscribe, rate and review via your favourite podcast app and please give us a follow, like and share on Instagram at Kate Co PR.